dedication, discipline, passion, sacrifice, rise and rise again. Welcome to Any Given Chance. Episode 8, Justin Wood. Awesome, mate. Yeah, good to see you again, bud. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, mate, um, stoked. Podcast world, here I come. Yeah, me too. uh, Drag your ass into it, into it. Mate, um, got a good story. Uh, What I like so much about your story is is the consistency to change and evolve. And uh, I guess as the listeners will jump into this and we'll go through it. um, Mate, you've, you've done it. You've done everything. And you're still fucking a young chicken, and you still got more to come. So uh, that's what we like here on the podcast. Uh, obviously, if this is your first time listener, and that any given chance, we're we're just finding people with stories who, you know, taken this little bit of opportunity and just made it grow and work for them. And um, I think your story is definitely one of them. So, um, mate, let's let's jump into it. So first thing I know about you is you started out you, as a jockey. Believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were young, and and a quite a good one um, up here in Queensland and whatnot. So um, let's let's go with that. Let's uh, at what stage, what age, and and why? How did you get into jockey? Yeah, well, that's uh, definitely a fun little adventure. Um, early on, realistically, it was basically uh, rugby league. Like I played footy growing up. Yeah. Um, I was good at that. I was better defender. Mitchy was a better. My brother, he was yeah. a better. Uh, Betty, Shout, out Mitchie Wood. <laughs> Shout out Mitchie Wood. Shout out Mitchie Wood. He was definitely better than me at football. Yeah. Um, and obviously being a small sort of guy, I got to the age of sort of 13, 14, and everyone just fucking grew. Yeah. And I was, you know, stuck at 49, 48 kilos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad was riding a fair bit at the time. Yeah. And, um, he just started to sort of get some rides in town, like a few midweeks, and I think he had a couple of Saturdays in town and so I get familiar with the big jocks in town and I yeah. thought, you know what, that looks pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Like, you know, they're professional athletes up there, they're somebody's yeah. it's it's exciting, you know, you hear that thunder of them going down the Oh, straight. coming the home yeah, show. Know, you know. Well see it's it's so weird because being, you know, myself who who wasn't around racing growing up, I yeah. never got you never got to experience that. And you didn't understand it until you sort of get to an age and you get to the track yeah. where you would have been getting taken to the track at a young age yep, definitely. And, and being able to see that. So that's where that, that sort of grows. I know, I know horse racing and racing back in the day was, especially growing up, was frowned upon upon a lot of people because it has that gambling side it does, yeah. attached to it. But what people don't understand is, mate, it's a professional sport yeah. and it's hard to stay in that top level elite of if, what you're doing. So When people talk about how hard they work. Yeah. And because I was so fucking passionate about it, like when I was young, but if I really wrote down how many hours a week I would commit to the to racing, to yeah. you know getting my weight better, like watching races, watching tapes, and riding yeah. track work, I would have been doing ninety to hundred hour weeks, yeah. without a doubt. Between track work, weight cutting, going to the races all day, doing that seven days a week, yeah. like you know you're looking at hundred hour a day. And the other thing with racing that, that people don't understand, and um, you, I guess you'll dive into this when we when we move into your racing career is it doesn't stop. There's no off season. No, no there, there, there's 364 days a year. Yep. And if you take a couple of weeks off, someone's willing to take you're your spot and then you're out of form and you've got to work your way back up yep. into getting those good rides. So, Entirely. so when was your first ride and, and, and who taught you to ride? Uh, and, yeah, yeah. So and early, where? Yeah. where was it here? Yeah. Or? Early days. I, uh, I started at Eagle farm. Uh, yep. I was apprenticed to, um, Brian, Smith, Brian Smith. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. So uh, he's a very good uh, trainer. He had Brick McMahon as well, the previous champion apprentice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was a good inspiration to me. Yeah. Um, then a few other seniors sort of helped me out. And 
shortly after I was with Brian, I had an injury and um, things weren't going that well there. And then I changed to Steel Ryan at Deegan. Yeah. And that's when my career really took off. And Steel really invested in me. Yeah. Um, he believed in me as an athlete, as a jockey. Yeah. And um, supported me, gave me the biggest win in my career. Always pushed me to go further. He set me up with a, um, a little training stint in Melbourne. Yeah. Where I went down there for three months. It wasn't the most successful three months in Melbourne, but what I was able to do, I was able to come back to Queensland and absolutely like just really um, have that mindset of this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to be better. Exactly. Yeah. And I won the premiership that year. As yeah, soon as right. I came back from Melbourne, I thought, you know, we're really going to. So, how many years were you in, into riding there? Um, I was. It's kind of a weird story. I I never rode a horse until I was 14 and a half. Yeah. At 15, I was riding track work. And just before my 17th birthday, I had my first ride. Yeah, right. At 18, 19, I won my first Metropolitan Apprentice title. Yeah, and right. So it was just like jam-packed, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And uh, that's probably a credit to the obsessive nature that I'll put into anything I, I go into. Yeah. You know, like the 100-hour weeks, that's how you progress. Yeah, first press. So it was all just jam-packed into those first four years while you were young and still growing, yep. I, I guess. But that was the best way to... to you're, you're still growing, so you're still light on your feet and... With, with apprenticeships for people who don't know out there, you, you get a um, certain amount of kilo claims that comes off the horse's back, yep. which helps those the, the younger apprentices yep. get rides. Kind of compensates for the younger Yeah, inexperience in that. And, exactly. and mate, experience is, is everything if you're, if you're a race follower. Um, yeah. <laughs> knowing tracks, knowing ups, downs, hills, starts, horses, like, like you said, there's 100, 200 hours in, into going into it. It's, it's all relative. Yeah, yep. now everyone thinks you just get on the back of a horse and away you go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then they, the, new, the nowadays people, well, they just spray you all over social media. I've made some um, Wigo Ryan Wiggins, and yeah, mate, you should see some of the. I boxed uh, Ryan. Yeah, I had oh. a charity boxing fight. Right? Oh yeah, that's right. I did. You did too, and smoke him as well. Yeah, well. Wigo. <laughs> no, um, yeah, but he shows me some of the messages, like some of the people who spray him and yeah. shit, like, and you're like, oh my god, what are you fucking doing? That's the thing. Like, yeah. yeah, Social media brought that in, but I suppose you didn't have that around when, when you were when you were being a jockey and that. So probably would have got into fighting sooner. If yeah. Was. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. yeah, right. Come here, yeah, exactly. So yeah, you're doing that at, at age 17. Won the premiership in that year. You got apprentice of the year, was it? Yeah. Was so it I won the, the Ken Russell apprentice of the year and the Metropolitan apprentice title of the year. Yeah. Beating um, your brother that year as well. Beat my that? brother that year as well. He should have beat me. Yeah. If he wasn't a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Because no, he's got all the talent in the world as Work well. Harder. Yeah, he's, he's one of those blokes. Was it weird being in, in competitive with your brother? Were I think you it helped in? me because yeah. it was something familiar to me because me and Mitch are only 18 months apart. Yep. And we're both highly athletic. We're both small people, but highly yeah. athletic. And competitive. And competitive. So yeah, even through rugby league, whether it be um, school sports as well, yeah. competitive. And always sort of running off him and having to stay ahead of him and him yeah. always trying to catch up, yeah. you know, vice versa. Yeah. Um, I felt that was a good driving motivator for me. Yeah. Had and to be the, the, the big brother. Exactly. Yeah, and couldn't let the little brother take. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yet, anyway, not at that early stage. Like, no. I know with my younger brother, Hados, he's, he's overtaken me in, in, in the sports surfing faster, you know. Yeah. All that. yeah. It, it happens at you some stage. You paved the way. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> what I, mean. I like to think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was already like, um, sort of getting a pretty good role on as an apprentice. Yeah. And then when Mitchell came through, it was like, oh, Justin Wood's brother's coming through. So yeah, he started riding for the Brian guys and stuff. And like, you know, he was apprentice to Kelly Schweder like early, early on. Yeah. So that was also a good leg up to him. But yeah, I believe he was probably more natural in some ways on a horse than I was. Yeah. But I believe that through the work and the obsession that I kind of overcame that. Yeah. I think my head 
worked better in races yeah. than his. I think uh, I was able to keep cool and think more strategically. Than yeah, him. yeah. That's what edged me in the yeah. Where I've seen Mitchell's rides and everything like that, with some of the stuff that he did, I'd just be like, fucking wow, <laughs> how'd you do that? Exactly, yeah. yeah where you had to like actually work all the way to get that win, he'd, he'd produce something or get something out of a horse like differently. Yeah. So from there, why'd you stop? What happened? So you're 18 at this stage? or? Yeah, so I would have been probably by 20. I think, uh, yeah, I won the premiership when I was 19. Yep. Um, this is, actually, this is the 10 year anniversary from when I won. It is. Yeah, 2019, <laughs> yeah, 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 2011. So that same year that I won the premiership, I had a pretty bad fall up in Rockhampton. Yeah, right. And uh, I broke two vertebrae, three ribs, punched a lung, sliced my kidney, and... Um, That's the other side of horse racing that people don't. You, you come off a 600 kilo animal at 70 k's an hour, 60, 70 k's an and hour. And then you get hit by another two that are behind you. That are behind you, <laughs> running over, or the thing comes down on trophy, you're not, you're in a lot of trouble. Exactly, in a lot of trouble. I mean, it's, So how did that happen? Was it, what, that one just dove down and you came off? Yeah, so I was just sitting in buckled? a one-off position and uh, a jockey to the inside, he just come across pretty, pretty early. He was quite an elderly jockey. Yeah. So kind of up in Rockhampton, I don't think he really had the, uh, the patience to sit where he was and just panicked and crossed out. And my horse clipped heels, I came down. My body went straight, my horse went to the right. The yeah. horse behind it, he went over that one, and I had the jockey behind me, he went over me. Oh. All three of us came down to the point of Rockhampton. Uh, Fuck! The at that stage, you hold your breath. Because yeah. everyone watching, every, they always do, I just, you like... Yeah, like I mean, I had people go like you were dead. You know? Yeah. Thought, like the, the how the carnage that looked, it looked like a fatal type of fall. Um, one of the jockeys involved with that, he never rode again. Yeah, right. Um, that was him. Yeah, well, mate, it puts the fear fucking straight up your ass. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, you talk about F1 guys having crashes and never coming back, or yeah. race car drivers and never coming back, mate. At least you're strapped in, you got all the safety thing and all that. You're on the back of a horse yep. and there's like a big difference. People used to think I was fucking mad going into MMA and I was like, well, fighting in a cage is safer than riding safer horses. Safer than that, you're yeah. Fucking, you're kidding yeah, yourself. I was right. like, there's not a man on the planet that can do to me what a, what a horse can do. Yeah, that's right, yeah. It's a safer sport, yeah. statistically. Well, mate, I say that about boxing, like, fight compared to rugby league. Yeah, you can get knocked out can you, and that's bad for you. But, man, I've been straight knees to my yep. head and, you know, finding the $2 coin in the grass going like that. Like, where is it? Oh, I think I found it. Nah, you know, more times in my career than yep. I ever would have been punched in the head already sparring and boxing. Yep. I mean, I'm not a fucking good boxer by any means or anything like I'm still learning. I'm an amateur and all that. But from what I know from training at rugby league and playing rugby league yep. and playing that contact sport, exactly what you said, there's... It's safe for fighting. So for all you mums out there who are worried about their boys fighting or, or getting into it, don't worry about it. It is, yeah. Sure. A contact yeah. sport's a contact sport. Yeah, um, that's right. Know, there, there's so many different dangerous things and a lot of sort of personalities need an element of adrenaline to kind yeah. of really switch on. You know, yeah. like when there's dire consequences to your actions, yeah. that's, that really makes you kind of improve. Well, You've got to be sharp. Yeah, the same thing. And then you, you find a lot of people who, who do these sports or do that adrenaline thing, this is where... It, the other side of it comes when they stop um, alcohol and drugs the and all that comes, yeah, because you're still searching for that alcohol. Yep. And I think we spoke about this just before. The reason why I went to boxing after rugby league and all that was so I can still get punched in the head. Yeah. Well, I needed that contact. I needed exactly. that adrenaline because I was the going threat of being hurt. Yeah. Like I know to, to still sounds... live and still feel. Yeah, it's weird. Yep. But then, because I did the opposite for a couple of years there, I went and found it by chasing alcohol and drinking and, yep. you know, partying and, and trying to find it that way. But yep. there's, yeah, there's definitely that, like you said, that element of people. Yeah. We're different, different humans who consistently chase, chase that adrenaline sort of thing. Yeah, I can sort of put it into a bit of a nerdy sort of um, 
topic. It goes into the neuroscience of it. You know, a lot of the time when we're on that circuit, it's the dopamine. Yeah, the dopamine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're always looking with anything that comes with a bit of fear, a bit of adrenaline, that also yeah. is matched with dopamine. Yeah. You'll notice a lot of people, um, I know a few recovering drug addicts and stuff like that and they throw themselves into fitness yeah and they're the hardest fucking workers in the yeah room. that's they do right not stop you know what i mean yeah. like you know how many people just fuck up and well they, they talk they, about yeah you're saying with dopamine and that like yep. um level of fitness what, what you actually get i can't i don't know the exact milligrams or something but then you got like weed which produces a thousand milligrams of dopamine yep. and then this is why so many people get addicted to ice and shit Cocaine, like that. Cause, yeah because that's, that's like one. Fifteen thousand milligrams—it's a big it, shot exactly. of dopamine. It's, and but with that, you get the rebounds. Whether with exercise, it's, yeah, it's, it's consistent. Yeah, that's healthy. right. Exactly. You know, it's, it's manageable. Yeah. You're not putting a artificial. No. Sort of, um, no. Well, on the opposite, I'm because I've got me my ADHD and that. I'm on, yep. on my meds every morning. But that's that, also a common thing. I yeah. Jiu-jitsu, with boxing, with a lot of contact sports, is yeah. a lot of ADHD. I mean, they're some of my favorite athletes to work with. Yeah, that's know, right. But yeah, the, the whole, the whole, like, it's basically like a, a level like this is the easiest way to explain it. And when you have your, your, your Dexies or your Varvans for myself, yep. it just brings your mind to a level where you can control it like yeah. that. But that's exactly what, now I don't have it twice a day with the dogs because I do exercise. Yep. So the exercise releases that dopamine in the afternoon. So I go from like that to that. And then as soon as I start getting rattled, I'll go train yep. and that'll keep me there for the rest the of the day, line, which really. is natural. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but which is why I probably could train for eight, twelve hours a day and be the happiest person in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? But all right, so you had the fall. What happened then? How yeah. long? How long was recovery? You've got what? Go again? Uh, two vertebrae, three ribs, punctured a lung, and sliced my kidney. Oh. So, so you got internal bleeding and all that going on. Internal bleeding. This entire area just got smashed. I had a horse uh, as I was rolling. It sort of clipped me in the back with its legs. And yeah. It fell. So I had that. that oh, that impact, impact of straight to one area. So it's basically like, yeah, just getting run over basically. It's legitimately there, someone coming on 60 kilometers an hour to go and do it. Exactly, like, you know, 600 kilo or yeah. 500 kilo horse yeah. straight into the ribs and the spine. So yeah, it's not a sad that great horse. It was, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was skinny rock yeah, horse. Yeah, 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 Rocky horse. <laughs> Sorry, Rocky people. We love you. Yeah, yeah, so what was the recovery? What did you do? How did you end up there? So that was, uh, I think, between fall to race riding again was about 11 months. Hectic. Um, yeah, that was. Um, and like, what heaps of rehab or what, what? What went on? A fair bit of rehab, I guess. I, yeah. So I was working with a physio with with that and starting to do my own strength stuff. Starting to look into you know strengthening my spine and learning my about core. It, yeah. yeah. At that young age, where I guess we come out of high school and stuff, we don't really know. No, too that's much. what yeah. I mean. Like it's all just. You so know, this improvised. probably prompted you to learn. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So always I've been curious about how to improve my advantages of whatever I do, whether it yeah. be racing or you know my weight and stuff like that. So I was always looking to require as much information as I can about these subjects just so I can make myself better at yeah. what I need to do. Um, and during that, that stage, I was sort of, I was boxing a little bit before my fall, um, just for fitness and um, boxing also. After about eight months of, um, of rehab, I went back to boxing just to kind of strengthen that, the core strength and yeah. using that. That definitely helped. And I rode for about six weeks and just my weight was just fucked. Oh, um, yeah, what were you walking around with? I was walking yeah. around at 61, 62. And, Trying uh, to ride at for, you know, I was 50, still, 56, exactly, 57, 54s if you yeah, can. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, nuts. So yeah, you made it back from that, from that recovery. Um, yep. You went back to ride six weeks into six it. Six weeks, couldn't make the car. I mean, like I said, I was um, 61, 62 kilos. 
Um, I'd get down to like 58, 57, and I did a DEXA scan, and I was 5.7.8% uh, body fat. You know, yeah, right. So, so there's, nothing, there's not much to give there. There's nothing more to go. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, at that stage, I kind of sort of needed to think, well, this might not last forever. Yeah. You know, being a champion apprentice in town, you're young, you're fucking motivated, you're confident, you're yeah. on a lot of money. Yeah. You think it's going to last forever. Yeah. And then the realization that it wasn't. That so you're still growing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and to stay at that weight is ridiculous. Like, yeah. That's not, to put it in people's perspective, like uh, fighters, they might cut weight once, you know, every three months, if they have a fight every three months, you know, bring it down. Um, this would have required you what, to cut weight every week. Every week, yeah, daily. Yeah, yeah Absolutely daily. So I was doing at least three kilos of fluid, you know, uh, obviously for your Saturday and your Wednesday town meetings, you know, they were prioritized. Yeah, so, which is know. just rinsing your liver, your kidney and everything Exactly. Like that. And obviously due to the fall, um, when I did lacerate my kidney, yeah. And, um, you know, so I already had damage there, like yeah. physical damage to the kidneys. So dehydrating yourself, you know, yeah. extreme dehydration. Like I'm like, yeah. I'll be cutting years yeah. off my life here if I'm, I'm doing this. So I'm going to get healthy. Going to, you know, really just think, uh, focus on strengthening and improving my body and yeah. looking to a next um, next path of life, which yeah, which was so you like we, we touched on it in there you were boxing in in between you basically came out of that and, and came into mma straight away yeah. straight into way straight away yeah. right, so, like all right i'm not doing that anymore what what can i do six months later i'm in a cage fighting yeah. someone where'd you walk into how'd you get into it um so like i said originally i got into boxing through steel ryan he sponsored a lot of sort of high class boxers at that time and, and knew a few trainers and um a gym was opening up just at the end of the road where the stables were and yeah, right. uh, i got in there and started sparring pretty much um soon away yeah and, uh after about yeah it would have been two months or so it's doing really well when i got suspended for racing and my coach yeah i was hanging with some of the australian level guys in there and yeah coach comes over and he said oh this fight's that weekend do you want to have a go and yeah like, Fuck yeah that sounds great like yeah, i'm not riding yeah. you know so didn't have to worry about my weight or nothing i just focused on boxing and yeah um, that was the queensland novice titles yeah, right. I went, uh, went and won that, you know, it's just... <laughs> yeah, by the way, I'm not riding this weekend, so I'll just go win a Queensland on the exactly. title. Like, exactly, yeah. like, yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, my racing manager actually came and watched that fight yeah, too. Yeah, right. You know? so, Thank you. So. Um, yeah, that was a great experience. And, you know, that was just a novelty at the time, back to racing, had yep. the fall. And um, I always thought that I wanted to learn how to fight. You know? Yeah. Like, even growing up, you know, beating the shit out of Mitchell all the time. Yeah. We grew up in a, in a street that was probably... 12 to 15 kids, you yep. know, so it was always pretty rough housing yeah, and stuff, yep. you know, always into fighting movies, blood sports and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And just the, the adrenaline and... Bring the, back a Van Damme movie. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Back to the old school, <laughs> Chuck Norris. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so always doing that, always had it on, on, the, on the end of your mind. Yeah, so, so you jumped in there, you did all that. What made it go transition from boxing to MMA? Um, I just thought it was more of a complete fighting system yeah, you know what right, I mean yeah. if I wanted to I wanted to fight MMA I wanted to find understand most, it exactly yeah. and for that like I needed I knew that I needed a good foundation in the ground game you know like yeah. I watched you know a lot of UFCs I was watching MMA every day at that time yeah and I was thinking you know all these submissions and all these ground guys are coming through yeah. and, you know, I've got to and that's where that's where Right, this would have been what eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. So this then. is where people were like bringing in heel heel hooks, and no one was. Oh, what the hell is that? Like every exactly. couple of these things that people were bringing in were all brand new yeah. as well. So everything that you would have seen that was learned, the modern style. Yeah, exactly. you're like, oh, okay, let's go try this. Exactly. So um, getting Diddle. pretty creative with grappling, and even yep. throughout my fights, you know, the grappling was the foundation. Uh, I got two submission of the night awards. Yeah. Um, my first three fights, I finished by submission. Yeah. And then one decision. But yeah, my grappling was definitely um, the staple of my game. Yeah. Um, so after boxing, I was still training boxing, 
and I knew that I needed to learn jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, so I had a friend of mine, he was a blue belt at the time. Um, he got me into a gym in Brisbane where I was training out of it. That was a really good team. Um, my coach, Marcus Collings, he was a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Uh, he'd done Muay Thai in Thailand. He's years and years of experience as coach. Yeah. High strike rate of a gym. You know, it just seemed like a good place to start. Everyone was helpful there. Yeah. That's the biggest thing as well, walking in it. Because you walk into some gyms and you're like, get me the fuck out of here. And exactly. then you, you walk into ones like that and that can make or break your exactly. career straight away. And so. it's, it's so funny reminiscing. Like Marcus is, he's about five foot nine. He's about 110 kilos. He, he looks like a gorilla. Like he's just a beast of a man. Yeah. You know? And you're talking like a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's got a nasty style as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I own my sort of, my credentials pretty hard, hard way. We had this tiny cage that was at the back of the back of the gym. So and there's no getting away. There was no getting away. Nah. It was just locked in, and you yeah. just got shark tanked in there, and it was yeah. hard days. And it's it's so good, like um, going through your grades and you know becoming more of a, a senior sort of level guy in jujitsu. And I'll go back. We'll, we'll talk with the other guys, and we reminisce. And be like, oh fucking, what about those mad days? Just yeah. In the back cage, just beat the shit out of yeah, each other. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was just all hard. But that's what you're exactly the same. That's what made mentality. Got you there. Yeah. yeah. Like just not you don't want, you don't want to be the biggest gorilla in the room all the time because you never learn. That's what. You don't want to walk into a gym where there's a bunch of everyone's underneath you because no. you think you can ding and then you walk into another one. You're like, oh fuck. Start again. Oh, yeah. So shit. That's a good good spot to training go. diversity is yeah. really important. You know what I mean? Like just uh, getting clarity of where you really do sit. Yeah. Know, whether it be local, state, national, international, where do you sit amongst yeah. these gauges? So wherever you perceive yourself, you really have to train or like place yourself among the other ranks. Yeah, know? that's right. If you want to be an international level guy, you need to find international level people. Yeah, that's right. You know? So yeah. I find that's relative. Yeah. And, um, I found that with surfing with me as well. Like we always had a, growing up in Sunshine Coast, we always had a really competitive surfing, young grommet hood. And you know, it just consistently, the, the styles and everything just got better and better and better because you're always in competition with each other. Exactly. So when, it's then, the evolution, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And then you, you go somewhere else and you see like, you know, a couple of guys growing up, you take them out of the woodwork and throw them somewhere else. Exactly what we said. Yeah. So from there, you basically won a, won a championship in XFC. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, obviously XFC Australia. Yeah. Um, what division was that? What, what? Uh, so that, that was flyweight, uh, yep. 57 kilos, so which was yeah pretty. Strolled in out of the novice championships, strolled in XFC, boom, boom, boom. Exactly. Well, <laughs> took a belt with me as well along the way. Yeah. Prior to then, I um I won states for um jujitsu as well. So that was kind of where yeah. As soon as I went into jujitsu, I kind of really dropped off boxing. I thought I, I threw myself into jujitsu yeah. to improve. Yeah. And because I wanted to compete and. The goal in my head before I fought MMA, I wanted to win a state title in jiu-jitsu and obviously I had a boxing fight behind me. Yeah. That's pretty good sort of um, background for you sort of experiences to get into MMA. Yeah. The thing you get a lot of today is you'll get people that just go in and they train MMA yeah, yeah, yeah. for six to 12 months and then they fight yeah. in MMA. They'll, they'll pick up how to throw a leg kick and they'll pick up how to throw a strike and they'll pick up how to roll out of something. They exactly. won't have a base of anything. Yeah. Not at all. And they no. go straight into a mixed martial arts yeah. fight. You know, they don't have any striking experience or any grappling experience under yeah. life conditions in competition. You know, I think um, having a good foundation in both maybe an amateur boxing or Muay Thai fight and a few competitions in Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. uh, you know, they're, you know, very important before you get into a, a cage. Yeah, you that's know, right. You don't want that to be your first no. time in races, you know? No, no, no. Well, you see that in different when boxers and that jump into the the ring as well. Like they've got high level striking, but exactly. mate, as soon as you're on the ground, you're gone. You're, yeah, it's yeah, your you, first day. Yeah, you're out. That, you, you don't know. Exactly or right. even like kicks or, or yep. not being able to check kicks or anything like that. You're yep. gone. You, your legs are gone. They attack your calves. You see it happen now. Exactly. Heaps in the UFC. Conor McGregor got done yeah. by, you know. Because he didn't have that. Boom, calves gone, legs gone. You can't throw punches. You're gone. 
Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, so, yeah, getting that good base and all. Yeah. So, there, then basically had that base, came into there. Yep. So, cleaned up at XFC. Well, me, yeah. So, I got into XFC and my first fight for XFC, um, I finished in 56 seconds. I, yeah. Um, I broke his nose, split him from the eye to the nostril, and submitted him in 56 seconds in one submission of the night. Um, and then in the backstage, I was, I was thinking, like, uh, the flyweight title was vacant at that time. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of guys that were sort of gunning for it either. Yeah. Uh, I saw the promoter in the dressing shed. He's, he, you know, seemed pretty stoked with my performance. And I yeah. Said, uh, let's put on the title. Let's do a flyweight title. Let's and he go. Said, oh, he goes, actually, that's a good, good idea. I'll message you tomorrow. Yeah. So if, he had a little bit of trouble finding me an opponent. And I uh, ended up fighting a guy from Sydney. Yeah. Super tough dude. Probably the, the toughest guy that I'd ever fought. Um, yeah. You know, like just no quit in him. Like the yeah, first round, right. I dropped him in the first 14 seconds with a head kick and just rained down punches. Like his head was bouncing off the canvas. Yeah, and right. He's not going out. Yeah. And you're thinking, him, oh, if you're feeling you're on top here, I've, I've got this. And then, uh, what's yeah, going exactly. on? Exactly. Like yeah. I just couldn't put him away. I had him in a full lock rear naked choke. I didn't have the hand behind the neck, it was on the top of the head. Yep. And, uh, he, I had a chat with him after the fight and he goes, uh, I literally gulped my last fucking breath and said, all right, this is it. And then he goes, I just managed, like it just, just comes through. Like he was willing to go out, you know, like that's how fucking tough he was. <laughs> oh, I hit him with everything. He, uh, he was supposed to fly back to Sydney, but he ended up having to stay overnight with a concussion. Yeah, hospital, right, so, yeah. You know, like I threw everything at him. Yeah. And, um, you know, so did you, how'd you win that? How'd you win that? That was a decision. On the decision, uh, yeah. So, so you got five, him on the five rounds, yeah. So it um, went five rounds. It went five rounds, yeah. Nice. I don't advise it. You know, no. Uh, well, mate, how good is it to know, though, to exactly. be tested like that? That, that was like, the thing. You can get through a few easy fights and how good I've That's, had some wins, but to go to that five round, you know you got that inside. Exactly. You, well, you know, so. I, was, I was sort of lucky. I never, never lost a round. You know, so yeah. that, that's also another thing where if I can lose a round and come back from that as well, that's also something that I yeah. would have liked to test myself in. Yeah, another understanding. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so yeah, more yeah. experience and kind of like a deeper understanding of yeah. my level as a fighter. Yeah, so like um, to, to put it into perspective and stuff like that, I guess I'm not the same in there, but like to be behind in a, in a rugby league game or something yeah. and then find a way exactly. to win. Exactly, lift. It, yeah, it's, you know finding I mean? it's finding a way to bring everyone up around you and yeah. say, look, we've got to go, we've got exactly. to go. Or like, yeah. you know, seeing a horse that's like, you know, getting, yeah, getting yeah. half a length on you and then getting that yeah, half length back. Yeah, you're looking back no, no, yeah. So there's definitely something in that. And, um, Certainly. Yeah. So then, mate, you, you've done XFC, you, you've, your grand old age of what? How old were you then? Oh, we've been 23. Grand old age of 23. Brisbane Premiership, Apprentice of the Year, hung that up, XFC Championship in the flyweight. Then you basically went travelling, didn't you? So, yeah. So, yeah. How, how did this all come about? So kind of in a darker sense, I guess. Um, when I was 23, I kind of went through uh, you know, a pretty tragic thing in my life where my partner passed away. Oh, yeah. And I, um, also a horse racing accident. It's, um, we'd moved to Melbourne together and we had 10 days together before she had her accident. Yeah. And that really did, that really did break me. And it's not until like a fair few years after where you realize the fucking impact yeah, that yeah, had on your life. You yeah, know, it's, it's kind of, for me, it's looked at as like almost an enlightenment. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like my point of life started at that event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you get such a deep look into uh, mortality, yeah. you know, your own existence and stuff like that. So I really wanted to understand that. Yeah. And um, some of the plans that we had was to travel. She was um, from the UK, very bright woman, one yeah. of the smartest people I've met. met. And, um, you know, so I felt pretty lost at that time and just really subjected myself to 
traveling, new experiences, and just wanting to live life. Yeah. Um, climbing mountains, setting myself a test, multi-day yeah. hikes, you know, like yeah. anything I can. A lot of it I did alone too. Yeah, yeah. You know? So where'd you go first, like moving on there? Like, um, so From Brizzy, where'd you just, what? Yeah, so we were in Melbourne together when she had an accident, and I had to kind of retire back home for about nine months just with some family, just to really build up again and, yep. and get myself collected before I went traveling. And one of the things we decided on was um, we went to Melbourne together, and the, one of the other cities we were thinking was Perth. Um, Perth's a beautiful city, yeah. um, you know, WA, lots of beautiful things there. The beach, I wanted to watch the sunset into the ocean, you know, yeah, that yeah, West yeah. Coast, um, yeah. easy, laid-back lifestyle. And that was the other city we, we were planning. So after I came back to the Sunshine Coast with my family, my first destination was I was going to go and do Perth for us. Yeah. And um, I did six months in Perth and met some of the greatest fucking people in my life. You know, yeah. You always pick up lifetime friends. And yeah. I like the challenges of um, submersing yourself into a new city where you don't have a social circle. You don't, yes. You know, it's like you, you land there. It's like easy. where the yeah. fuck's the supermarket? You know, yeah. you have to navigate an entire map. Yeah. You know, in your brain to yeah. of where you where you live. Find and, your feet again. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Started out there, moving across. But uh, you end up overseas. Like I've got you down here as well. You end up um, doing, Hong Kong. yeah, doing Hong Kong. Yeah, so I'm um, um, doing tri back on the horse. Yeah, believe it or not. So, um, what was the motivation to go across there? Uh, whilst I was travelling around Australia, like I said, I, I lived in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Sunshine Coast, and Perth. Uh, I was still writing track work. Yeah, so that, that was that was your your, your bread, bread and butter, exactly. Bread butter, yeah. You know, as far as track work is, is concerned, I mean. So even after you fall, you know, you just weren't competing racing because you couldn't deal with that weight thing. Yeah, but you're you're always thing. on the back of the horse. Always yeah. on the back of the horse. Yeah, you know, I think um, that yeah, it served its purpose. Yeah. Um, one of the things was I was good at it. You know, yeah. I was, yeah. I was a good track work rider, especially you know when I wasn't weight cutting. You know, when yeah. you're weight cutting, you you know you get a little bit more cranky. Cranky, angry. You know, yeah, yeah. When I felt strong and happy, you know, I rode work and. Yeah. I rode for some of the best trainers in Australia and abroad for that matter. Yeah. And, um, and for people who don't know, if you've got a good track work rider, that can be the difference between a horse winning and losing on a uh, weekend. Yeah. Like people rave. And, and here's another shout out to Mitchell Wood as well. I know he had um, Dark Dream. Yeah. Yeah. Course, yeah. And he was riding track work for that. And yeah. that horse ended up winning, you know, some really good races and being bought by overseas. But it was a lot attributed to, yeah. to your brother riding track work. Of course. Um, so, um, yeah. So, yeah, over in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, went to Hong Kong. I mean, yeah, I, I looked at track work and thought, well, how can I improve? Like, what's the status? What's my levels through this? You know, you ride, yep. you might ride for some of the biggest trainers. Like, I rode for Tony Golan. I was uh, when Tony Golan first came down from Toowoomba. Yeah, I was one of his uh, sort of main track riders then, and I was hit with him for three years. Uh, I rode for P Peter Moody as well down in Melbourne. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and then I did a satellite stable in Sydney with Tony as well, and over in um, Perth, I was riding for Morton few of the other sort of bigger trainers over there. Yeah. Where do you go? And uh, yeah. Hong Kong as an international kind of thing seemed like the place, you know, that's where the best track of riders or jockeys go. Yeah, yeah. That's where the money in the industry is, you know, and you know, you looked at, well, there's a bit more of a status to it too, I, I felt. Um, there's 1,200 horses in track work in Hong Kong. Yep. There's 22 expats, you know yeah. I mean? So it's a, it's Yeah, because they, they have a system over there, don't they? they get, you can't just roll in and come get work. You, there's only a certain amount of licenses yeah, so for top like lines. One in, one out, yeah. And there has to be a certain amount of licenses for down, down lines. So yeah, so you got in there. Yeah. In Hong Kong, it was an awesome experience, you know what I mean? It's an yeah. absolute clusterfuck of a city. Is it? You know, yeah, it's Nuts. exactly. It's just, it's, what were you living in? Like a shoebox or what, what, it, what happened? For Hong Kong standards, I was living in a fucking mansion. Man. Yeah, I right. was like a two bedroom apartment, which, you know, with just me, that's, yeah, it right. was pretty good. Um, you know, a small apartment, 
Yeah. But you know, my kitchen was as big as you know your, your probably your, your wardrobe at home. You know. Yeah, right. Um, but for Hong Kong standards, it was pretty good to yep. be honest. And how far away from the track was that? Uh, it was pretty much um, apartments track. on track. Yeah, right. Yeah, so the thousand metre um, straight. Yeah. It's just at the end of the thousand metre. Yeah, far. There. So yeah, yeah as soon as you look out your window. You know the whole tracks there, and, and that tracks a mackie. Oh, there's just so much money. There's, 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 there's not a, uh, a dollar spared yeah. in, in that industry over there. Whether it be the breeding, you know, the, the importing of the breeds, uh, the training, you know, the, the track is just yeah. it's absolutely prestigious over there. Yeah, I'm gonna go now after listening to this. <laughs> you know, I'll like, have to go. It's, it's funny, like yeah. over here, you go to the track, say Eagle Farm, and you might see all the trainers' cars, and they might drive some Audis, some Mercedes, and some you know BMWs. But yeah. Over there, they're driving McLarens and Ferraris. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Just rolling in. Yeah, like, that's right. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's a different level. Yeah, it's there. another level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good. How long did you do that? How long did you do over there? I was there for one season. Yeah. Um, that went really well. Um, Towards the end of the season, I was uh, I had another fall actually. So I'd never had an injury for track work. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm pretty hard to throw off. You know, my yeah. balance with uh, trying to fight guys in here. And yeah, yeah, Horses yeah. as well. Um, you know, I maintain my balance pretty well, and, and rarely would I never fall unless the horse went down. Yeah. Um, in this case, I was um, doing a bit of three quarter work. You know, uh, so you go going probably good 35, 40 kilometers. Horse went to change its legs and tripped and just fell flat on its side. And as I come off, I landed on the point of my shoulder. Yeah. Separated my collarbone from my um, my AC joint, tore the ligaments. So that required surgery, and that was the end of my season there. Yeah. Um, it was definitely set to re recover, but I was done with that part of my life, which yeah. was riding horses. Yeah. Um, I achieved what I wanted to as a jockey. Yeah. I achieved what I wanted to as a fighter. I achieved what I needed to do as a, a track work. Yeah. It was kind of like. Ticked all the boxes. Yeah, you know. And happy with where you were. That's a, that's the biggest thing. There wasn't an itch yeah, anymore. Yeah, there wasn't. You know, yeah. like you see a lot of people and they hold on to it too long or yeah. whatever. And for me, once the passion for it really died out or once I ticked off the goals, yeah. um, that's when... What's yeah, next? What's next, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, but you're saying that they loved you over there. They, they, there was a story you were telling us just before. Um, they were trying to just move, they wanted you to stay. Yeah. Like, so, this is our important track work, right? They wanted you to stay and they were going to, willing to move someone over. Yeah, was it or? it's pretty, I sound always boastful, but even on the, um, my um, appraisals and stuff, they literally wrote the best recruit we've had. Yeah. Uh, you know, all 10 scores, and that was from my trainer. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of him, but. Um, could have moved me over there, but Sorry, yeah, yeah well, right, mate, well yeah. I don't think I'm looking for punters. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the industry there's a bit yeah, funny with nah, guys like yeah, you, yeah. to be honest. Uh, get over there, put me on the back of the horse and watch me get kicked <laughs> off. You go, mate, what's going on? So yeah, they, they, they said, uh, yeah, if you've got a friend that we can hire that'll you know make you stay, yeah, be okay, because you yeah, know, right. it's, it can be a pretty isolating world over at Hong Kong yeah. you know, as, as an expat. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Like you said, you do get homesick. I mean, I've lived in um, Bali, Indonesia, and that for six yeah, months. Course, yeah. and, um, Which is a paradise in itself. Yeah, it know. is. But you still, you, you, you know, I used to always jump on a plane every three, six months. Yeah. Um, this is when strategic airlines were going. Yeah. And I think flight home was 179 bucks. Yeah, it's, it's, and 179 bucks. So it was nearly cheaper than paying for your Kitas. Yeah. Like, just go course. get your stamp. Say hi to mum, but but you needed that, you know. Yeah. yeah a year away from home, you did. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, you, I definitely understand being home. Not so much homesick, but just having to. Yeah, all right, I'm done with this. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I, go, yeah, I mean, Hong Kong's yeah. a very overwhelming city. Yeah, a lot you know, of nothing's easy. So yeah. the the city density, like my apartments, um, even to get a car space, yeah, was a five year waiting list. Fuck off. To get a car space. Hectic. 
<laughs> so you can't fucking drive over there. No. So you've got to take, you know, public transport. So you're either doing taxis or you're doing the, the MTR, the train train line over there. And, yeah. and you'd have to figure that out real quick as well, wouldn't you? Fucking real quick. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of the End challenge. End up at the other, other side of the town going, where the fuck exactly. are you? Exactly. And then, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, yeah, and yeah. you're in a, you know, a foreign country for that yeah. matter. And, yeah. And the language, you've got language barrier. And then you got barriers. figuring out the cash and the money and that straight away. Exactly. And then that's that's the excitement to it all. Yeah, you know 100%. I mean? like fucking, right, you're, yeah. you're thrown into an entirely new environment and yeah. you have to survive yeah. and thrive too, you know, yeah. um, professionally and personally. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, you get on that MTR and you were just dipped to asshole with fucking people. Oh. Like you were just <laughs> every day. And like not looking away from you, like just sitting there and staring at you. I wish the mask thing was fucking <laughs> was bigger back then. <laughs> You know, like, oh, oh, it's stunk in there, you yeah, know, like, yeah. anyone that's been there, it, look, it looks great, it's a very, uh, you know, artistic city, yeah. it's a beautiful city in its own right, I love the adversities that I face there, you know, yeah. personally, and, and just really sort of yeah. establishing myself, but, but yeah, I'm ready to come home, exactly, yeah. but um, I went on to the UK after that, yeah, did you? I did, yeah, so yeah, I was in the UK for 18 months, and uh, my original plan was to, uh, I went over there in the winter, First, I didn't want to ride horses in the winter in the UK. Yeah, so yeah. I had a little bit of bartending experience, and um, that was uh, what I sort of used early on. I thought oh, I'll bartend during the winter, and then when spring comes, I'll get into racing. And yeah. I was doing a cocktail bartending with like an awesome team, awesome nightclub that I was working in, and um, I just really enjoyed that. I thought, yeah. you know what? Like I was just, just going to stay in. Yeah. Actually, I remember you got into the yeah, going to yeah, the yeah, yeah, cocktail yeah. bartending. <laughs> Typical Justin Wood, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it fucking a thousand percent. Exactly. Next minute there's fireballs and fucking the twists and everything going. Exactly. And yeah, we're doing all the Might as well be good at it. Yeah. Throws and stuff. And yeah, yeah. so it was, it, it, for me, it looked to be like a new adventure, a new skill to develop. Yeah. Um, which it was. Um, yeah. And I took that on. And, but at the end of the UK, it was like, that was the end of my travel log. And I thought, well, what do I do now? Type yeah. thing. And um, that's when I really like prioritized. And I looked back at what I kind of achieved how I achieved it and my thoughts after I achieved it and how do I change into that. So I'm not just completing things and taking off, but how can I make something more like um, more longevity you know, yeah. behind it or more of an infinite goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, we'll, we'll jump into that. Um, yeah, you were talking about that uh, being, uh, what, was, what was the word you used? Finite. And infinite, infinite, infinite and, yeah. and finite. See, I don't, I don't know, mate. If you can just give us a little oh, elaboration on that, of course. On, so, what that is? Typically, like early days, uh, especially when I was younger, when I started racing, I set two goals for myself. One was to win the Metropolitan Apprentice title, and one was to win a black type race, so yeah. listed or group type race. I achieved both of those, and my motivation fucking dropped. Yeah, right. So we're talking about those two two definitions. Yeah. Um, of of goal setting and whatnot. What what were they? Yeah, for so, an idiot like me who fucking doesn't understand it or can't read or spell for that matter. Two type of mentalities you tie to goals would be finite and infinite. You know, yeah. finite has its limit. Infinite is you know self-explanatory. It's an infinite kind of goal. Yeah. Um, you know, it always progresses. Um, yeah. So you're, you're touching base on your, on your first my, goals. And my experience you, with that. Yeah. Um, like I said, when I started racing, um, I had two goals. One was to win the premiership as an apprentice. And the other one was to win a black type or group race. And I did both of those. The motivation dropped. And, you know, at that stage, there was a few other things in life. I thought, well, what's next? And went on to the uh, MMA. When I started training, you know, when I was just, you know, early days thinking, yeah, yeah I'm going to fight. Yeah. I, um, I had one goal. And I was like, I want to win a title. I don't care, like, what it is, you know, yeah. et cetera. I just wanted to win a title. And I won a title. And 
after I won that title, I didn't train for three years. Yeah, right. I took three years off. And I started lifting and doing other things during this time, and that yeah. was where my traveling sort of time yeah. took up most of it. But so you could you could start to see, I guess you couldn't at the time, but you can you can now looking back on it because you've got patterns to it. Yeah, patterns to it. You've reached something, yeah. and then the I guess the more that we talk about this now, I think about this throughout times of my life. And it's a lot exactly of people probably find similar experiences. Oh man, yeah. ridiculous! Like, I've, I've, the first one that comes to my mind is when I was skateboarding when yep. I was young, and um, we had this wheelie bin set up out, out, out of the half pipe. And you, clear that wheelie bin and come back down the other end yeah. and finally I landed it and, yeah, that and was I had a big melon grab come back down and bang and that was the end of my skateboard career it's funny that isn't it it's like weird as soon it's as like you hit that fucking, bang that, that goal that's the finite goal yeah you know right I mean? so, yeah. Um, and after that I, I wanted to travel and experience traveling and I did that and it was kind of at the end of my trip in the UK where I was like well what do I do now? And I look back at what I had done, what I had achieved, and I was like, this is not a normal life. Like, I don't know people that <laughs> yeah, have done yeah, shit that yeah, I've done. Yeah, 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 that's right. You know, um, and by the time, you were the grand old age of what? By uh, this time? 27, 28. 26, 27, yeah. 28. Yeah. Fuck, man, yeah. So, you know, when I, when I do lay out my life, I, I, to people that don't know me, I feel like I'm bullshitting. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, if I, if yeah, I tell yeah. them what I've been through or yeah. what's going on, it sounds fictional. Yeah. Um, but that's the way to live a cool life. Yeah, you know 100%, I mean? like, mate. One we'll, of the... <laughs> yeah, we were speaking about that before, and, and so many people have stay in their lane. And, exactly. And, and oh, I know players dedicated the whole... And, the, you know, they're really good rugby league players. Yeah. But that's all they do. That's all they are. Exactly. And when they get to the end, they, it's a fine. It's a not an infinite goal. It's no, a finite goal. Exactly. Am I saying that right? It has its. Yeah. And they're done, and they're, then they're lost. Yeah, exactly. They don't know what to do. And this is a lot of men in their thirties and, and whatnot. And I went through it as well. Like, maybe not so much the, um, uh, just the the lostness, I guess. Yeah. Of, okay, I reached a goal. Bang. What now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, it's, it's the what now. Really and and yeah, yeah. Look, well, I think we were speaking about it before. Your ego holds onto that when you've got a finite goal of you get you get this whole self perspective of this of course, is who I am. You need you the know. confidence to achieve what you need. You yeah, know what that's I mean? right. Like if, if you don't believe what you can achieve, like yeah, you need that confidence. So you have to become a person who is the best yeah. at whatever they fucking want. Given that experience, you know the best. You know it could just be an amateur fight, but you got to yeah. be a best in that fight. Yeah. Um. So you're having that mentality and you carry yourself a different way. Yeah. And then to go and subject yourself to being the student, the new guy, the fucking yeah. moron in the room. Yeah. That's hard on the ego. And, yeah, um, you'll see that a lot, and that's why I think martial arts has its um, its benefits because it really does subject you to that over and over. Yeah, you know consistently. I mean? there's, there's always someone that knows more, someone that's bigger or stronger yeah, than you, right. or worse, yeah. someone that's smaller than you that beats you up. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? right. So yeah, it kind of promotes. Yeah, you. and that brings you right down. Exactly. To I find that now, like um, going back to boxing and going back to fighting and being an amateur again and, and walking in the door and learning everything. And then I walk in there, I jump in there, I'm sparring with these 20 year olds and they're fucking landing shots and I'm just like, yeah. what the, but you've got to bring yourself down and realise that peg of, they've been doing it for eight years, you've been doing it for two, muddy, for like, you exactly. know, where's, where's, but that's what contact sports does, yeah. doesn't it? it? Breeds and, that kind of. Yeah, that, that mentality. Um, in amongst this, by the way, yep. you've started lifting. Yeah, definitely. Um, to a point of, 215 yeah that's what was it max deadlift max deadlift yeah. of 215 oh, i haven't done that at no. 65 kilos at body si weight. Yeah, yeah i was gonna say so what was it like three times nearly three times yeah or two three, three point two. yeah three three point two yeah. fucking hell that time. that's nuts how'd you build into that and why obsession yeah okay <laughs> it's the same thing so um, what you started what lifting weights what back through the beginning or yeah all the time, so or? pretty much um 
after I stopped fighting, uh, I was cutting down to 57 for fighting for flyweight. Yeah. Obviously, that sort of had its weight restriction, but when I finished with fighting, I thought, well, I'm not racing and I'm not fighting. I don't have any. I don't need to make any weight requirements. So I thought, well, let's put on some muscle. Let's get strong. Let's feel good about myself. Yeah. And um, got into powerlifting. Um, I felt powerlifting was more, like more suitable for me um, to be motivated towards because it was like. Uh, performance challenge. Yeah, there was numbers on the bars that you had to move, opposed to muscles in the mirror that you have to improve. Correct. Yeah, you know, so. I, I find, and this is, isn't a disrespect to any of, because I know guys, a couple of guys that do comp prep, oh, and then that's crazy. Ridiculous. Athlete. Some of yeah. my best friends are. Yeah. yeah, but for me, lifting weights and going there isn't a. It's not a motivation for me. It's it, not. It, ha it has to be a, a record. It has to be something that you're fucking breaking exactly. or, or beating. You need or, objective kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. Achievements there. So. That was one of them, and I was yeah powerlifting as much as I could, and same thing. I just um, I, I learn and try to find as much information I can about my form, about my diet, about programs, about everything like that. And, yeah. Um, I guess my my athletic base that I had through rugby league growing up, horse racing, and then MMA. I think that's a really good foundation to, especially yeah. for the deadlift. Yeah, um, yeah. If you look at the way you ride a, a horse, you know, it's, it's almost a similar setup to the deadlift, you know, you're using similar muscles. Yeah. So I guess, you know, my, my nervous system had probably already been sort of... Yeah, catered. tweaked. Yeah. Uh, you got that, like you said again, that long base that, exactly. that's hanging about in there, yeah. Yeah. And even knowing how to exert yourself, you know what I mean? I, I watch some people, they lift, I'm thinking you're not switching on enough, you know what I mean? You're not trying hard enough. Yeah. They try a little bit and go, oh, it's heavy. Like, yeah. you really have to fucking believe through it and, and, and get yeah, it yeah, You yeah. have to see yourself completing the lift before you do before the lift. Before you do the lift, exactly. yeah. Yeah, so we, we, you got up to two, 215. 215, yep. Yeah. Uh, 65 kilo body weight. Nah, so that's, how much is that? Two? Uh, 3.2 body weight. 3.2 body weight. Yeah, I'm basically an ant. <laughs> fucking nuts, man. I, yeah, like I said, we're just talking off camera before. And that's hectic. So, how did you build into that? And was there a certain point, or were you just keep adding in weights, or did, was that a goal, or what? Uh, what how, how did you break into that? That was kind of like a, yeah, just like an infinite goal. I guess there's no real cap to strength, but you generally have mental plateaus. Okay. Um, a lot of people put mental plateaus in a lot of things, whether it be you know their, their own work, their relationships. Yeah, you know, whether yeah. It be their gym yeah, true. Stuff like yeah. That's it, it's always there. So this is what I'm willing to go to. This is where I'm willing to there, and then, then that's it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what I mean, and that's yeah. where the motivational drops off. And yeah. This is where we can go back into the um, finite versus infinite kind of mindset um, that I've kind of learned yeah. from that and. After doing the UK, doing a little lifting, fighting, being a jockey, and everything I kind of chose had a finite goal onto it. And when I was done with the UK, I really had like super passionate about jiu-jitsu, like this is what I wanted to do. And my first kind of goal that I recognized for myself was like, oh, I want to win a, uh, a world championship. And then I thought, well, don't fucking do that because that's putting a finite sort of yeah. stamp on it. And I thought, well, why do I want to win a world championship? Yep. You know what I mean? What's after that? And I thought, well, I want to use this skill of these experiences to actually help and benefit other people's lives. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the power of jiu-jitsu can do that. It's, you know, I'll preach about it all fucking day. Yeah. It's uh, the cognitive aspects of it, you know, the community behind it, the fitness, you know, um, it's yep. for heart health. It's even good for your skin, you know what I mean? There's been studies that, you know, it shows that. It's like a mild exfoliation every time you- Yeah, you, you right. Grapple, you know, yeah, yeah, of uh, course. Touch therapy, you know yep. what I mean? Like, th these are all relevant yep. to that. And I want to be able to help people through that and 
jiu-jitsu is my best uh, skill to do that. So I want to establish myself as like an international level competitor yep. and then open up my own gym just so I can really effectively help people to the, you know, as most as I can. Yeah, right. And really be a, a positive impact on the community and kind of the more I achieve in this field, the more I can help with that. Yeah, so that's, well, that's... working for other people. Yeah, now. yeah, that's exactly right. And, and a lot of people talk the talk, but I think, yeah, leading by example. That's... And, and leading by doing um, and, you know, letting, letting actions speak. They hold so much more weight. Exactly. Um, then, then telling someone, hey, you could do it today, good work, get out there, yay, let's exactly. go. I love objective fucking credentials, yeah. you know what I mean? Show yeah. me what you've done before I fucking believe yeah, you. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. I want to see you walk the walk. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, I'll take so much more inspiration out of, out of uh, seeing someone do something. Like yeah. even some fucking huge guy at the gym, yeah. like he's back in there. I'll take motivation out of that. Exactly. Um, more than I'll take someone talking shit on the thing, telling, you know, giving this big. There's a lot Pop of it, speech, yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a, because that's the easy work. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? That's the fucking easy work. You can you can clap and parade and and, and whatever. But yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, what you're definitely doing here, mate, and and what you've done in your fucking life. You're not how old are you now? Uh, I'm thirty next month. Thirty next yeah. month, and you've jammed all this in. So, mate, um, it's a long way to go. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like with the advancements in modern science, there's no reason I can't live till 200, yeah, 250. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> with my high wage and yeah, yeah, exactly. Nah. Um, so yeah, so what is the plan? For, so we, we, we spoke about that. You want to get to that high level of, yep. of, of jujitsu and whatnot, and then open your own gym. Um, we, we've touched base on your mindset and how you kept being able to reinvent yourself and, and keep going and, and that was changing from you know finite to 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 having an infinite goal to basically having that mentality just of, connecting it to a bigger purpose okay you know what I mean? like yeah. just bringing more people into your goals so i'm already yeah. doing a fair bit of coaching and um working with some athletes that are you know they're having real success and it's it's so satisfying to see what yeah, you know, yeah. You, like you take um, you take someone that's never fucking done anything in their lives, yeah. and you watch you go through a few warm drills, and you think we've got a long way to go. Yeah, and then three months later, they're winning gold medals at competitions, yeah. and you see like the the belief, like holy shit, yeah. I can't do this. I think that's and, part of being a coach, and why coaches stay, and good coaches stay being a coach. Yeah, because yes. they good it, coaches, it, yeah, good, good coaches yeah. is is the key Absolutely. word there, is um. Because that is so rewarding. Exactly. Um, I, even going through my journey with with being a professional sportsman, to being a fat loser, to fucking losing the weight again, and then having people jump on the back of it and helping people. Yeah, um, yeah the satisfaction that, that came with, with seeing them succeed yeah. is fucking ridiculous. Exactly. Man. So, so if you can take your best, like, you know, you just review yourself and think, okay, what's my best avenue to help people? Yeah. Like, you know, make a positive impact on the fucking world, the yeah, community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, rather than fixing it to what do I want to win, what do I want to achieve? Yeah, that's like right. That. It's like, yeah. what can I achieve that'll benefit the others? Yeah, you know, yeah. As well as myself, you know, there's obviously, you know, well, selfish it, motivations. Well, that's it. Well, it's... It's a pathway, isn't it? As much as you give, you get. Exactly. You get back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like and that equals out and that levels two out. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. As long as you're genuine. Yeah, that's you know right. I mean? Everything has to be genuine. You have to sincerely yeah. want to help those around yeah. you. you know what but I mean? people can tell, tell, tell fake people. People can tell, oh, I'm opening up a gym because I want some fucking money. And oh, I'll come in here and you get in the back corner exactly. and start thinking. Yeah. They yeah. never do well, those gyms. No, you know what I mean? no. But the, the gyms or the coaches or the athletes that hype up everyone around them, yeah. that's the positive thing. You know? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what you want to get. And if if I can improve everyone else's game, that's going to improve mine. Yeah, you know what I mean, like if if I'm inspired, I'm inspired by people that I coach. Like yeah. I, I train with some amazing people. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
some men in their mid fifties that you know they're fitter than most guys in their mid twenties. Yeah, you know, they right. live disciplined lives, like yeah. uh, cold showers, vegan diets. You yeah, know, like uh, you know, and always learning new knowledge. And yeah. uh, that word hurt my ears. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Vegan. Uh. Yeah, I know. It's not for me. I'm, you know, <laughs> no, uh, me, 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 and my barbecue and my meats and I stuff. Know. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not I mean, uh, yeah, there's obviously different. You know, everyone's. Oh, but everyone's style. different. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for that. What works for you works for me. Genetics and personality. Yeah, types is, is always relevant. Fuck, mate. I have absolutely loved it. I've been on a high this whole time. Awesome, man. Thank you. Mate, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's get back and do it again. Yeah. Um, what have you got coming up? Have you got any any competitions or anything like that? Or uh, So I've got state championships. Yep, when's uh, that? 6th of June. That's on the 6th of June as well. That's the same as Popey's fight. It is, it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the same weekend. Okay, so we're going to have to jump between the two there, see what's going on. Um, Just watch the highlights. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> And where, where can people follow you? Um, um, have you got socials and stuff like that? Yeah, or? So on Instagram, uh, j underscore wood 91. Yep. That's pretty much where I run most of my stuff. Yeah. Okay, um, cool. And yeah, like in the, and you're training out of where? where are you, uh, uh, Casa in Caloundra. Yep. And uh, we're also joined with the, the HQ club of Noosa, which uh, okay. is a good little community to be a part of. And yeah, come in and yeah. it's, it's great. You know, so it's so really if anyone cool. wants to get down here as well and um, learn Jiu Jitsu, um, mate, jump on board. This, this is your boy. Yeah, I'm telling you. Man. Unreal, man. I'm Thank fucking you. stoked. Thanks, thanks for doing yeah. this. Let's get out of Let's go. Let's go. Wow, that was the Any Given Chance podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, if you want to see some more action, head over to our socials and give us a like, share, and subscribe. We're on YouTube at the Any Given Chance podcast and on Instagram and TikTok at Any Given Chance. And if you can hit share and subscribe, much appreciated as we grow plus we're always looking for new guests so if you know someone in the midst of it battling good little bit of adversity or someone who's been successful message us direct we always check out your box and of course if you want to check out old episodes repurposed ones you can jump over to our website which is anygivenchancepodcast.org thanks for joining us once again on your host 3am365 Matty Menion no days off no excuses and I can't wait to catch you on the next one